Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 42, the spoiler free review for Thor Ragnarok. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen of the north, south, east, and west, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I am your host, the Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. Now, before we get into today's topic, I just wanted to mention that if you haven't heard episode 41 of Film Focus, which focused on film composers and film scores, I highly recommend it. It was a passion project of mine. One of the main reasons I wanted to start the uh, podcast was to do this, uh, that topic specifically. And um, I hope you get as much out of it as I did putting into it because it was just a, I felt it was an informative yet, uh, you know, passionate and fun episode to do covering like, you know, is it several different films and, uh, you know, the film composer behind it. So, yeah, um, please give that a listen if you'd like. But yeah, today's episode is a film review and today I'm getting to talk about one of the uh, other major releases of the year that I've been looking forward to since the dawn of time. It is, of course, Thor Ragnarok. Now, I've been looking forward to the third adventure in Thor's like world for a little while now because I'm going to say this up front. I really like the character of Thor in the MCU and I know that to a lot of people, um, he's everyone's least favorite character. I only found that out around Age of Ultron. Um, I guess it's mainly just because his films aren't the best reviewed and best liked among, like you know, just fans and critics and just general people in general. And I thought that was a shame because I thought Thor started out so well with the first film. I know there's some people that really don't like it, but uh, or just find it okay. But I really loved it. Kenneth Branagh just brought a really wonderful, magical, and uh, you know, dramatic and stylish flair to it, especially with the whole Shakespearean aspect to it as well. It started Thor out in a great way and then, you know, helped uh, transition him into the Avengers. And um, after that, I feel like Aaron, uh, not Aaron Taylor Johnson, that's the, <laughs> that's the actor, Alan Taylor, who directed Thor The Dark World, just took the film in some interesting directions. He helped flesh out the world of Asgard and some of the mythology and, you know, build upon some of the stuff that they did in the first film. But ultimately, that film was so forgettable and basic and frustrating and the humor just didn't hit very well and you know when we're talking about the vast amount of mcu films that exist now it's one of the ones that people just choose to you know ignore entirely so with the third film i was hoping that they were going to you know strike back and you know give us a great film and when you found when i found out that you know taika was you know director of what we do in the shadows and um hunt for the wilder people was uh, on this i was like yeah, interesting choice um I saw both of those films, and I really liked what we do in the shadows. Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. I think the hype, like behind that film, sort of led me to a disappointment because I thought the film was fine. It had some good moments. I liked the acting, but I thought the film was just, you know, it was good. Just not this amazing film that everyone was going on about. But I thought his sense of humor and style would lend itself interestingly to Thor. And uh, obviously, when you found out, like you know, Mark Ruffalo was going to be in the film, I was like, ooh. And then they're talking about all this uh, incorporations of like uh, the Ragnarok storyline and uh, Planet Hulk and, you know, the introduction of the Grandmaster and this 
incredible cast that they were assembling from, you know, Kate Blanchett to Jeff Goldblum, Tessa Thompson, Carl Urban, on top of having uh, Chris Hemsworth and Mark Ruffalo come back and all this other sort of stuff. I'm like, this cast looks insane. And then the trailer started coming out. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at the uh, the colors and look at how cool Thor looks and look at how cool like Hulk looks. And all again, the colors, the visuals look great. And uh, Kate Blanchett looks like she's going to kick some ass. The CGI and art direction looks insane. It looks like there's such a great scope to this film, all this space stuff and Asgard stuff. I was in love. I saw the trailers and I was so, so hyped. So, how's the film fair? I'm going to tell you in this review. And don't worry, it's spoiler free because I thought about talking spoilers, but it's still too soon after the film comes out. And honestly, I just. If we were to get into spoilers, I'd be talking for a little while, so. As we do with every review on the Film Focus podcast, we'll talk story, characters, presentation, and the conclusion after that. So stick around, we're going to have some fun. Alright, so when it comes to the storyline, it can be summarized as the following. Thor is imprisoned on the other side of the universe and finds himself in a race against time to get back to Asgard to stop Ragnarok, the destruction of his homeworld, and the end of Asgardian civilization at the hands of the all-powerful new threat, the Ruthless Hela. And that is the plot summary of the film without going into the area of spoilers. What I will say about the story of Thor Ragnarok is this. It's entertaining, and it is certainly fun. Now, these days, whenever you hear that a Marvel film is fun, it's like, you know, was it well duh, that's, you know, that's the status quo now. Like, Marvel films are fun, that's just, that's to be expected. What can I say? I had fun with the film, though I will say it was not the satisfying adventure I'd hoped for. Now, this comes down to a number of factors. I feel like if you're a comic book fan who knows Thor's like source material, some of the elements that they incorporate into this story are put to good use, but then some others aren't. Like, uh, for instance, you have elements of the Planet Hulk storyline and the Ragnarok storyline. And while there are elements used, overall they are not used in the same way in which they are in the comics. And obviously this is an adaptation. And if you've known the Marvel films, they have always taken elements of like, you know, is it different you know, storylines from different lines of comics and then just made a story around some of those elements. Like uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier. That had aspects of like the Winter Soldier in there, you know, the character and some of the storyline elements, but didn't, you know, pluck the story from the comic and then put it into film. Same rule applies with Civil War because obviously Captain America Civil War is very different from the original Civil War comic. But um yeah, you have elements of Planet Hulk and you have elements of Ragnarok, but I feel like if you know those uh comic book storylines, they're not put to the best uses. It works fine for the film, but if you know those uh, comic books, then the film only uses it very sparingly and to like a less uh, fateful degree. So in this film, more so than the previous Thor films, you can tell that the filmmakers were just like, you know, we know how ridiculous Thor is. You know, not only the character, but, you know, some of the places that he exists in and all of the mythology and characters. So they definitely play a lot of stuff for laughs. This film is definitely the funniest of all the Thor films. And it plays, um, like I said before, it plays a lot of stuff for laughs. Uh, There is so much humor placed in um, several different areas. 
and while it's certainly effective for certain scenes and moments it did start to grate on me a little bit and this speaks to a you know larger issue with the mcu and its use of humor now I don't mind the use of humour in the MCU films for the most part, besides a handful of films say like Iron Man 2, 3, Thor The Dark World and Guardians of the Galaxy number 2. Most of the other films have all had like you know just really solid humour throughout that felt great. Um, there have been points where you know there are hit and misses in like you know those four films that I mentioned beforehand but overall like the humour always seems to work and in a great Marvel film there's always a nice balance between the humor but also having like you know is it drama and seriousness and this film certainly has certain moments of seriousness but the humor sticks out so much it's very similar to um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 where the humor comes at you left right and center and it's almost relentless in its uh, attempt to try and make you laugh and some of the moments was again they were good they uh, whether it's you know um, physical humor or certain verbal jokes or sometimes characters not even saying anything at all it has its moments where the humor works but sometimes it just felt like oh come on guys just give it a rest just give me something a little bit more serious and sometimes the humor overwhelms some of the more dramatic elements of the film sometimes it even undercuts the drama or serious elements you know, in the same scene, I'm like, I just wish the film had committed a little bit more time to, you know, was it more serious moments, because some of this stuff is, you know, pretty dire, there are some very, like, high stakes and, like, uh, dire situations that could and will happen and did happen to some of these people, and, you know, there's a little too much jokes sometimes. But there were certain moments where there was, you know, certain um, emotional or dramatic things happening There's, uh, that worked. And also for, um, you know, the overall uh, world of the MCU, there are some interesting references to the past and, you know, interesting revelations that sort of just changes your view about how the, uh, you know, how some of these characters have operated and existed in the MCU so far. And it also create some interesting elements that will be followed up in future MCU films as well and some of the world building and mythology that's explored in this film is you know pretty interesting and captivating alas again I feel like the humor took so much of the film that some of these elements were only explored to a small degree and could have had more time to exist and one final thing as well with the uh, the film essentially takes place in three different locations there's a little bit of stuff on earth a lot of stuff going on in the planet Sakaar where you know Thor and Hulk hang around with the Grandmaster you know playing gladiator and all that sort of stuff and then there's the stuff on Asgard as well where Hela comes along takes out a heck of a lot of people and you know is gonna you know destroy Asgard without it, you know unless uh, Thor comes along and you know saves everybody and I feel like the stuff on Sakaar with Thor and Hulk was definitely the more captivating of the two main, you know, story elements. Because on Asgard, while there's certainly stuff going on there, and some of it's, you know, pretty interesting, it just doesn't feel like it has the same captivating aspects to it. It's not as interesting either, uh, just because it feels like we've been there with some of these, like, you know, plot points. Whereas... A lot of the stuff going on at Sakaar was just new and interesting. So yeah, I feel like um, 
the stuff on the alien planet was just a little bit more engaging than what happened in Asgard. Which is unfortunate because I love Asgard and some of the stuff they've done to flesh this world out and, you know, give it, you know, a little bit more oomph was cool. But again, just paled in comparison to what was going on with Thor and Hulk. As for the cast, they were all pretty good, um, though some definitely stood out more so than others. Chris Hemsworth as Thor, I thought he was good. Hemsworth has always been like, you know, is it really good as Thor? And obviously in the more recent films, the character has definitely taken on more of a comedic approach to the character. He's uh, very larger than life. He's very chilled out, but is uh, overly confident, charming and very silly. But he's just an engaging character and Hemsworth plays the role very well, especially in the comedic elements. I just feel like as a fan of the character from where he began, I feel like I was more engaged with him when he had more of a Shakespearean style to him. There was more of an arrogance and, um, you know, seriousness to him with the first, um, you know, with his first two appearances in Thor and Avengers. And I missed that side of him because now I feel like he's just a little too comedic and chilled out, um, which kind of sucks. But this is the direction they chose for the character. And while I am like, you know, overall disappointed at the same time. He plays the character well, so that's fine. Tom Hiddleston as Loki, by this point, like, he's just... He's not even trying, because Hiddleston just seemed to get back into this role and plays the character that, yeah, just hate to love. Or love to hate, depends on which side of the fence you sit on, but Hiddleston was great. He plays that charming, sneaky, yet lovable, um, you know, brother of Thor, and he has some really fun moments, and... As per usual, their uh, chemistry, Hiddleston Hemsworth, is just great. Newcomer Kate Blanchett as Hela was good. However, I wish there was so much more of her. The problem with Hela as a character is that there's nothing separating her from like a lot of the villains that's come before. She's, you know, just um, a very cool yet angry character who wants to go up and, you know bring destruction and chaos just because she can and we've seen a lot of these like you know end of the world kind of characters you know numerous times in the MCU before there was not really much unique about her plans or just the way she did certain things I thought her character was pretty interesting uh the way in which she fits into the MCU and like you know uh the Thor universe I just wish there was more time to you know get inside her head and like um just have more time just to learn more about her because uh, Blanchette, she chews all the scenery she's in. She's clearly having a lot of fun. I felt like, um, I felt shades of her character from like uh, Cinderella where she played like, you know, the stepmother. Hello is confident, cocky, stylish and all sorts of hotness. She can throw down and she knows she's unmatched in her power and she definitely has an intimidation factor but I feel like her character was just written in a very basic manner. I just would have wanted to see more time from her that would have just made it a lot better. Idris Elba as Heimdall, I thought he was good. It was definitely a different side to Heimdall than we've seen before. A little bit more relaxed, but at the same time, a little bit more um, active in his duties. Uh, Idris Elba, he was fine. He was good in this in this role. And I liked uh, what they did with the character for the most part. Um, Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster, my gosh. I had a feeling that Jeff Goldman would be in here just to be himself, like, you know, having those sort of fun, strange, uh, quirky elements that make Goldblum such an, you know, an engaging 
uh, actor and uh, he didn't disappoint. As a grandmaster, he is just this very, you know, um, charismatic, chilled out, fun kind of guy. And he just has this really fun personality. He's a guy that you'd probably want to kick it with, but you know, don't piss him off because he definitely has, you know, ways of which he can make you suffer or just kill you outright. Jeff Goldblum had these really fun, notable scenes, whether he's interacting with characters like Loki or Thor, or just having time just to, you know, eat up all the scenery. He's when he's on screen, he he's magnetic and he, you know, just steals like the energy from everybody else because he's just so powerfully Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie was pretty good. At first, I wasn't overly keen on the characterization of this uh, version of her. I mean, you know, again, having known like you know what Valkyrie's like in the comics, I was like, oh, this is different. I don't know if I like this kind of different. But as the film progressed, I really started to like her. She's this tough, no-nonsense kind of character who has a past and she likes to drink. But she's really fun and interesting, has some really good moments, especially with Hulk. And um, she's badass, she knows how to throw down. And I know Tessa Thompson doesn't like the use of the word badass, at least that's what I read in one of these uh, interviews that she had. But she was really cool. I really liked her character, and there were certain reports about her character that I'm glad didn't end up coming to pass in this film. I can't say what it is because, again, that'd be going to spoiler territory, but... Yeah, for the most part, it was it's good. It's good. Carl uh, Urban as Scourge. <laughs> he had some really funny moments, and he definitely had more humor than I expected. But at the same time, I wished more had been done with him. His character is just sort of there, and he has some fun moments. But once the film was over, I was like, yeah, I liked him, but I feel like he could have been in the film a heck of a lot more. And if they'd done more with him to you know flesh him out, would have been that would have been good. Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner and Hulk was great. Hulk in this film was just such a delightful surprise. This is the most we've ever seen Hulk in, you know, his big green form for the longest time. And he was so interesting. He has this sort of childlike mentality. He's very hot and cold. He changes his personality on the dime. He can be very playful, but then very angry, but then strop around. He's very simple-minded. And he has just really great interaction with Thor and Valkyrie as well. The Thor and Hulk dynamic has been, you know, a notable thing since the first Avengers film. And in this film, it's played to great effect. And then when, you know, Bruce Banner comes back into play, that's just as good. Uh, Mark Ruffalo has such great comedic timing, you know, being this guy in this strange new world and having the smarts that he does but then trying to just adjust to what's happened since the last time that he was active. And, you know, Ruffalo and Hemsworth have great chemistry as well. The use of uh, Odin from, like, uh, Anthony Hopkins, brief, yet solid, though I wish there was more. And Benedict Cumberbatch made his appearance as Doctor Strange. And, again, it's brief like Odin, but it definitely has an effect. If you're a fan of Doctor Strange, some of the stuff they did with the character is just so much fun. And then everybody else in the film was good from uh, Rachel House as Topaz to uh, Clancy Brown as Serta and Korg. I feel like he will be a scene stealer for a lot of people. I found his character pretty interesting. I thought he was fun and had some great moments, but again, it's like 
the whole uh, baby group thing. I feel like sometimes they relied a little too heavily on it because, you know, yeah, yeah, this is the funny guy. Let's use him in some of these moments and he'll get a good laugh in the audience. And for the most part, all of his land, it, all of his like you know moments landed with a lot of people in the cinema. But for me, it was just like I understand this character; he's good, but yeah, he sometimes just got like you know was it? I wouldn't say annoying. It was just like okay, I get it. Let's move on to someone else. Yeah, everybody else they were solid. That's basically what I'm gonna say. Oh, oh, oh! One other thing. There's some interesting cameos from certain actors in this film during a certain scene, which I won't say what it is, but it had the cinema and aesthetics, and I didn't even know who these people were. I saw the scene, and I thought, yeah, it's pretty funny, but why is everybody laughing? It's not until I looked the uh, you know, cameo appearances up afterwards. I'm like, oh, that's who these people are supposed to be. I didn't even know that these actors were these actors. And I'm like, oh, okay, it makes sense. It's no wonder everybody was laughing about it, but yeah, um... It was definitely a solid scene. Good stuff. If you know who these actors are and you see the scene, you'll know exactly what I'm going on about. That was an effective scene for sure. Alright, so when it comes to the presentation, it was pretty good for the most part. Visually, Thor Ragnarok is probably the most striking of the Thor films, just with its use of colour, shadows, and the sense of scope. I feel like the first Thor film did a great job of introducing us to the world of Asgard and Jotunheim and seeing, you know, some of these great things like the Rainbow Bridge, you know, the great palace of Asgard and, you know, some of these uh, uh, costume designs and stuff like that and the use of Thor's powers and CGI that they used to create some of these more fantastical elements. It was good. But this film just takes it to another level, obviously because of the whole Ragnarok storyline and being on, you know, Sakaar for the gladiator segments with Thor and Hulk. The uh, CGI had to be on a, you know, much more hardcore scale and it's done to a great effect. The visual detail, the animation for like some of these uh, chase sequences, you know, spaceships or, you know, some of the fight scenes or, you know, when Hulk is, you know, smashing things or... Thor is using his, like, you know, electric abilities. Some of this stuff is great. There are some really good fight sequences which are choreographed in a really badass way. Whether you're seeing Hela, like, you know, is it lay waste to so many people, or seeing Hulk and Thor, like, you know, battle it out, or seeing um, Tessa Thompson's, like, Valkyrie, like, you know, have her moments of shine. It's all really good. And can I just say, the CGI on Hulk was really good. I was looking at it a lot because obviously with Hulk being in his Hulk form for so much of the film you're like oh yeah can they carry off this level of CGI consistently throughout the film and it's great the amount of detail just in his like you know was it uh muscles was really great and it never felt like um this felt like the most realistic you know sort of depiction of uh Hulk that we've had so far the body looked solid and they had him doing, you know, just all these sort of human things that just didn't look like they were out of place. They looked solid and realistic, you know, at least for a big green character. Some of Thor's action sequences were some of the best. Some of them having, like, you know, interesting callbacks to some of the fights that he, you know, fighting techniques that he's had in some of the previous films, but also doing some new stuff as well. Some of those scenes, good gosh, it was so cool. It's literally ripped out of a comic book and it's like, oh my gosh, some of those moves, I swear... I swear they were like um, referencing Mortal Kombat and if you know what character I'm talking about you know that some of those moves were ripped straight from this electric based character, this thunder based character, you know who it is. I don't want to say what it is because it might ruin the movie but yeah I'm just going to leave it at that. The planet of Sakaar looked really cool, costume design is nice 
And yeah, visually the film is good. It has some really solid stuff. Some of the CGI was a little like, you know, was it blurry during some of these more kinetic, uh, chaotic moments with the cameras moving around and there's a lot of things happening on screen, but you know, that's to be expected. As for the music, the uh, film score was done by Mark Mothersbaugh. Let me hope that's how you're saying his name. It's a very strange last name. His film score definitely had a interesting sound to it it definitely felt like it was um infused with that 80s sort of feel i got several vibes from the original tron film while watching this film and it has its moments where it's you know very uh light-hearted and fun a little electronic upbeat but then it has some of these more you know subtle serene and wonderful moments that you know feel a little bit more heartfelt you know what i mean yeah, overall a solid soundtrack and also there's a use of a song in this film that first time I loved it. Second time, not so much because I felt like, oh yeah, you just did this already, so it just doesn't have as much of an effective like, you know, is it wow factor than it did the first time. But yeah, that's just me. Alright, now that leads me to the conclusion. Thor Ragnarok. The interesting thing is I'm not really sure about where I stand with this film. The thing is I really liked it and like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 it has some of my favourite elements from like you know the MCU so far especially when it comes to you know uh, some of the world building mythology action sequences and character moments but then some of the humour and the direction that they chose with certain characters just didn't work for me and again knowing what these characters are like and some of these you know uh, story elements are like I feel like they were just wasted in this film and just not incorporating the way in which they could be the stuff on you know Sakaar was more interested in the uh, you know problems of Asgard and I thought that was not very good I mean I thought there would be a better balance between like um, the Thor and Hulk stuff and the Hela stuff and how that all came together and yeah like the humor when it worked it was good but when it didn't work it really stuck out and um yeah i don't know i feel like i'm gonna be in like you know that unpopular bubble where there's a whole lot of people that just love this film because they don't really know much about the comics and just go to see the film for what it is and it's definitely enjoyable and i'm sure that most people will love it but for me i thought it was good but not nearly as good as it could have been definitely a good film if i was to give it a rating which i don't do but if i was to give it a rating it would be a solid seven uh a lot of fun good stuff but yeah, uh, I wouldn't put it in my top tier of the Marvel, like, you know, film. Some people say it's, like, their favorite film to date, and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, you know, more power to you, but for, not for me, not for me. So, what did you guys think of Thor Ragnarok? Do you love it? Uh, are you on a similar page like me, where you thought, like, there was a little bit too much humor and not a not a properly amazing good use of, like, the source material with, like, you know, the Planet Hulk and Ragnarok storylines. Um, is this your favourite Thor film? Because I know there's a lot of people that say it is the best of the Thor films. I still like the first one the best, but that's just me. Um, whatever your thoughts, please be sure to drop them in the comment section below or hit me up on Twitter where I am, the Hypersonic 55 As you know, that's the wrong Twitter handle at all. Like, um, it's Hypersonic 55 or at FilmFocus55. If you want to holler at me via email, it's thehypersonic555 at gmail.com. And um, yeah, be sure to check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and give me some good old ratings because that would help me immensely. Also, be sure to check out my other podcast that I started recently called Impressions in Motion with my 
boy Chris, one of my friends from college, where we talk about like you know numerous different elements of film, TV, video games, anime, and that kind of stuff. We've done two episodes so far: one on Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and the other one on um, my trip to the Royal Albert Hall to check out Michael Giacchino's music, you know, from film and TV. So yeah, I'll have uh, links for those in the description below. Thank you for listening, as always, and until the next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is StarHyperson55, signing out. Peace!